Welcome to the Field Talk Podcast from the Linder Farm Network, the voice of Minnesota agriculture. I'm your host, Dan Lemke. Minnesota and Ghana, Africa are separated by thousands of miles and in some ways are worlds apart. Two southeastern Minnesota men, Andy Hart, who farms in Olmsted and Wabasha counties, and Van Larson, who operates Agronomy Services Plus in Rochester, have teamed up to bring expertise and equipment to farmers half a world away. The pair have formed a business called Gus Farming LLC. Andy and Van joined this episode to share more about Gus Farming and why it matters so deeply to them. Well, in uh, January of 2020, I was asked to go over to Ghana with a mission group to potentially help teach modern farming in the country of Ghana. Right now, the current uh, method of farming is usually with a stick and a hole, uh, a lot of manual labor, almost like a truck farmer here in the U.S., so I was able to go over in January, able to travel the country, see what was there for infrastructure, for dealers, um, opportunities to buy fertilizer, seed, chemicals, and country, see if there was a market for uh, for the corn, or they call it maize in Ghana, and just see if there was an option to uh, actually make a difference over there in that country. And what was it that uh, struck you enough to uh, work on the creation of an organization to be more uh, intentional about going over there and helping out the farmers? Well, uh, Van got involved shortly after that as an agronomist. We were over there, I believe it was January of 2022, and we we're doing soil sampling for this mission group on the land which they had purchased. And as we talked and, and discussed things, we got it in our, in our thought process that maybe we should start a for-profit farming business over here that could uh, speed up the process of demonstrating modern farming in Ghana. So that's how it kind of got started. Our, our goal is to farm like we did in the U.S. in the 70s and 80s with uh, smaller equipment, simple uh, technology, but, but very efficient and, and, and uh, kind of build off of that. So you created uh, Gus Farming, I understand. Uh, Van, from your perspective, what was it that uh, intrigued you or, or uh, was enough of a, an interest to make you join up and, and help form this organization? When Andy asked about this after his first trip over, I wanted to be able to do something. Uh, we can write a check and send it overseas and you don't know where it's going to go. But when I had the opportunity to work with Andy, who I've known for a very long time, and I have a lot of respect for him as a person as well as a, as a farmer, I jumped at it. Um, it was almost overwhelming the first time that I arrived in the country. And we saw, and, and the story, I've, I've, I've told this a lot of times. I remember, don't know what I did four or five days ago, but I remember we arrived there on a Wednesday. We were in the capital city of Accra, multi-million population tremendous poverty and two days later on Friday I wanted to come home because I thought how can we make a difference how can a couple guys that have some agronomic farming knowledge really do a difference make a difference so we the next day we got up to the farm and of course as a dirt guy um, and as a friend calls me I'm a dirt nerd I got to see the land I get to see the soil hold it to my hands and then meet with some of the local people and it just developed from there that we could make a difference. Not We couldn't help the whole country, but we saw that we could make a difference in the village. Uh, it, it goes by Contanzo Brady is the little village that we're next to. And we saw that we can make a difference. And it was an opportunity to fulfill a dream that I had had for a long time of, of working overseas and 
like I said, to make a difference. So what kind of expertise are you able to share with these folks? Because as you mentioned, going from, uh, you know, a stick and a hoe and things like that, coming from, you know, the, the technology and everything that we have here in the States, I guess, how do you gradually bring things along there to help increase their productivity? The best way to bring things along is shipping containers. Um, sounds kind of odd. <laughs> We've sent over multiple containers. Some of the very first ones were corn planters. Andy mentioned farming in the 70s. When we're basically going into some place that's farming at like it's 1900 or 1920 or 1930, we sent over, we, we bought two used John Deere 1750 six row corn planters. And we stripped them down, primed them, painted them, put on a lot of new parts. They're finger meter planters, which we all know just work consistently. Uh, we're not planting very high plant populations. And so we've shipped over a couple corn planters, gravity wagons, uh, a field cultivators in a container that should arrive here in a couple weeks. And so basics, the United States, I mean, we didn't jump from 19... Um, 24 to 2024 overnight there was a lot of steps in between and so to do some of the basics was the the simple way to do it it doesn't take a very large tractor to pull a six-row corn planter and so it made sense let's start that way instead of sending over what we use here as uh, electric drive corn planters and row shutoffs we didn't need that we needed to fix the basics first we needed to hit the first hundred bushels not hit the second and third hundred bushel levels and how are you seeing the productivity the the response uh, to what you're bringing over are they able to uh, increase the production and thereby increase uh, hopefully the the profitability and, and the uh, income of some of these areas that are as you mentioned uh, pro- you know largely in poverty i think we are um, this is just our first full year of farming over there uh, we planted our first crop a year ago in March, April. We were able to harvest that in August, and then we are able to plant a second crop. We call it the minor season, and we just finished harvesting that here in January. Um, we're trying to set it up as a demonstration farm, not necess- necessarily tell them how to farm, but show them how they could farm with more modern farming techniques. Um, a lot of it is seed selection. A lot of it is actually just the basics of uh, seed placement. Uh, seed to soil contact, proper depth, proper spacing, and then keeping the weeds out of it and putting a little fertilizer along with it. Uh, right now, Ghana imports a lot of corn. They're not uh, growing enough corn in country to, to supply all their needs. So our goal is to help within the country to um, show them how they can increase production just a little at a time for maybe someday they'll be uh, uh, self-sufficient and won't have to import anymore. What kind of response have you gotten from the farmers, from the people? Are they encouraged and, and open to what it is uh, that you're bringing for, uh, you know, both equipment and expertise to try and help improve their quality of life, so to speak? Yeah, they are um, very thankful, very curious of what we're doing. Um, they do have, uh, example, the tractors. We bought all the tractors in country so far. So there is a John Deere dealer there. There is a Case IH dealer there. There's also a small Agco dealer there. They're all small. They don't have um, the expertise and the knowledge to farm like we do in the U.S. So they have the equipment, but maybe don't always have the expertise how to use it well. So our goal is to buy as much as we can in country, 
but also bring over some equipment from the U.S. that will enhance our farming project to make it better and more efficient. Uh, but yeah, we're met with uh, just a lot of thankfulness. We get plenty of uh, people willing to help us any day we need it. Uh, the local leaders are, are involved and are very thankful we're there, want to get to know us, understand what we're doing. Um, they're, they're getting what we're trying to do. We're trying to help them out. We're trying to show them how to increase their yield and how to uh, grow better corn and, and more efficiently. What's the, the potential for diversifying it down the road? So right now with clearing land, what we're clearing, it's not rainforest, it's not swamp. It's kind of some scattered trees that, and some brush and bushes. Um, so this isn't rainforest by any means. It's some of the land has been farmed. You can see some old corn plants from years ago. But when we're clearing land, kind of similar to here, when you have to remove trees, uh, there's roots and there's some rocks. And so we're in the process of getting uh, the land cleaned up and cleared of those. So we're growing corn now. We hope to grow soybeans with in 2025. We've kind of got some, I have some mental timelines of when I, I think we'd like to do some things. Soybeans are grown in that part of the world. Uh, it's a completely different growth. They're called determinate. The soybean grows and then uh, it will uh, flower. So it's really kind of an interesting thing because we're only seven degrees north of the equator. So at the equator, your day length is 12 hours. And so we're so close to the equator, um, it changes the soybean variety. So we grow a, what will be a determinate variety of soybeans. The plants grow and then they start to flower, kind of like corn. Uh, the cashews and mangoes, they grow as a tree. Um, obviously mangoes are a fruit, cashews, we all know what cashews are. You plant a sapling that's maybe a couple feet tall. We're told that it takes about four to five years, somewhere in that range, until you can start to harvest those crops. Mangoes can be used in the, in the country of Ghana, as well as some can be exported. Uh, cashews, some are used in the country and, and also as an export crop. We have some land that, that we have that sits a little bit low for, uh, drainage and we're actually looking at the possibility of growing rice they grow um, dry land rice as well as flooded rice in the country and so we're learning about our land uh, the climate is hot that's the best way to describe it year-round it's 90 95 degrees we'll have heat index 100 to 105 on a common basis the rain pattern is basically from sometime in March, it starts to rain and then it quits in November. And during that time frame, we get about 40 to 45 inches of rainfall during that time. So then from November around to March during their dry season, which is now, I think they get like three inches, something like that. We do have a weather station that we purchased from a company uh, out of uh, Illinois near Chicago. And so we have a weather station that we can log in. I looked at it this morning. It shows the sunlight, which is uh, my huge interest in growing corn and how does corn respond. Because So say you take uh, southeast Minnesota, corn grows uh, with our long growing season on the longest day of the year in June, we get 15 and a half hours of light at Rochester. At our farm in Ghana, we get 12 hours and 20 minutes. So we're learning and trying to understand how different crops respond out of those conditions. From a more personal perspective, what do you guys find most rewarding about uh, you know, what you're doing, what you're seeing, and, and what drives you to keep going back, uh, you know, I guess, year after year with long-term plans? 
I guess what drives me is just the ability to help people. You know, we have all this knowledge of farming in the U.S. I'm uh, I'm 60 right now, so I'm looking towards you know the next 10 years or so, transitioning into some type of retirement or some type of uh, slowing down on the farm. So I want to share the knowledge that I have while I'm able to help to bring that knowledge over there to a country that could could uh, could use it, that could uh, uh, benefit from the knowledge we have in the U.S. And I know Van has talked about this before, but kind of leaving a legacy, you know. At the end of your life, you look back on it, you know, yeah, we farmed well, we supplied uh, for our families, but uh, do we really make a difference in this world that uh, is meaningful, that could really change some lives? And that's what we feel we're doing in, in Ghana and the local village where we're at. We're changing those people's lives. We're providing jobs for them. We're teaching them uh, more uh, modern farming skills, which they can use for, for the next generation that could help their country be more self-sufficient and provide food. Cause uh, like Van said, it's a very poor country. They don't always eat three square meals a day. You know, a lot of times they're hungry. If we can help alleviate that in some small way, that's uh, the reward that I'm looking for. And the one thing also that we're not doing is we're not just taking money over and giving it to them. Um, the old thing about teach a man to fish that all we all have all heard that one. That's part of what we want to do, as Andy talked about, is we have the knowledge here. And some will say, well, gosh, you go over there and you'll help them grow grain and they won't import grain from the United States. That is very, very unlikely. We're not going to have the impact to be able to do that. But I remember going to a village um, and there was this little girl, probably four years old, and might not have seen white people in her life. And we were sitting there, Andy and myself, another person, and I thought that if we can grow a little more grain, and most of the grain uh, goes to chickens, and she could get a little bit more protein, either from chickens or the, the eggs, and gets a little more education and becomes a teacher or a nurse or a doctor, the trips are long. It's, it's 32 or 34 hours from the time we leave the farm flights out of Africa through Europe back to Minnesota and to me get home one child if I can do that it would be pretty amazing well, that's fantastic, and I applaud both of you for your uh, commitment to that. And if uh, some of our listeners, if there's a, is there a way for them to uh, help, uh, maybe to contribute to the cause, is there any way that uh, folks can learn more, or how would you uh, how would you like to proceed there? Um, we do have a a website and a YouTube channel, and um, we're actually trying to expand more acres. Currently, last year we did about 250 acres first crop, and around 200 acres in the second minor season. For the 2024 cropping year, we want to run at least 500 acres both seasons. And uh, we're looking for other people that want to get involved. We're looking for some more investors now. So if they're interested in investing in this and actually being part of this as a, as a business, we are looking for um, farmers that are interested in that. Um, also, um, they can just contact us. We can have a conversation with them and kind of see where it goes. There's a lot of other opportunities for them also. The, the uh, Andy mentioned the YouTube, so our, our website is gusfarming.com. Uh, Gus stands for Ghana U.S. Very simple, pretty straightforward. Uh, if you go onto YouTube, while we're over there, Andy and I are over there, uh, we do a daily uh, YouTube videos, anywhere from a couple minutes up to 10, 15 minutes long of what's going on each day. And go into YouTube, 
and then type in Gus Farming or Gus Farming LLC, and it will show videos of the, oh gosh, I don't know how many trips. I think I've made seven trips there. Andy, you're probably up to 10 or 11. Um, but since Gus Farming really got established, the first video was really it was in August of 22. And so you can follow along. You, you see the, the farm. You see the growth if you go from the very first videos there wasn't much at this building site to see where we have progressed from a small shed that's probably 20 by 30 to and, and made with local wood that that one of our guys have built to now having a house with solar panels on it a well uh, a grain bin uh, what is it uh, 80 by 80 concrete slab with a, with a grain bin and a grain dryer gravity wagons, tractors, combines, augers. It's really progressed. And so you can follow along our adventure, as we kind of call it. And it's been a fun, uh, it's, been a, it's been a lot of challenges. Gosh, we could, when, <laughs> we could talk for hours about the struggles and the challenges that we've overcome and solutions. Uh, we want to give a little bit of a shout out, or at least I sure do, to the young men that are working for us over there. Um, Cal, Jack. Uh, Logan and Travis, who are on site, that push this thing along to stay on task and to accomplish what we need. We really appreciate them. The, the email um, address that you can reach out to us—it's uh, pretty pretty straightforward. It's just our our email is Gus Farming LLC at gmail dot com, and reach out to us. We'd be glad to talk. Obviously, Andy, I'm sure, has had conversations just like I do, and somebody will ask about it, and we'll think all of a sudden, oh, we'll just give you a little five-minute update, and all of a sudden, 15, 20 minutes, it's gone by, and the people are just amazed at what we've uh, been able to accomplish. People are really interested in what we're doing. When Van and I first started looking at that, we think this is kind of the next Brazil in farming. You know, 30, 40 years ago, when a lot of American farmers went down to Brazil or went down and checked into that. Um, that was kind of an exciting time for that new frontier. As we look at the continent of Africa, that's kind of the next new frontier as far as farming. And uh, Africa as a whole, the population is going to double in the next 20 or 30 years. So there's a big need for more food raised within the continent just to, to meet all those uh, people's needs. For more information on Gus Farming, visit GusFarming.com. You can also follow their adventures on YouTube. Thanks for joining us. Get all the latest farm news and market information daily from your local Linder Farm Network affiliate.